This episode of the Blackstick Global Podcast is sponsored by Blackstick Global Passport. Join aspiring Black expats, expats, and repats, where you can build community, get resources, and gain support along your journey abroad. You're invited to join Blackstick Global Passport. Inside Passport, you'll find exclusive workshops on everything from expat taxes, financial planning, insurance, job boards, accountability check-ins, and more more. You can even take Passport on the go with our app available for iOS and Android devices. Just click the link in the episode you're listening to or visit blacksitglobal.com and click on Passport. See you inside. Dealing with my dad was a wake-up call for us when all of my contacts in government and everything else could not get financial aid, basically could not get government assistance to help take care of him. And we were looking at each other thinking like, this this could be us one day. And so we're doing all of the saving and sacrificing today, saving 60% of our income and yada, yada, woo, woo, woo. And then at the end of the day, we have to spend it down to nothing. There will be no passing on of generational wealth, nothing. Like, what are we doing all of this for? Just to give it back to the government? I don't think so. Close your eyes and imagine living a life you love, unapologetic and unbothered, free from daily microaggressions from Karens and Kens, free from the fear of police brutality and systemic racism. Wouldn't that feel amazing? Now open your eyes. What if I told you that it's possible? Hear inspiring stories and get the actual blueprints from brothers and sisters of the diaspora who are living out their wildest dreams abroad. You've heard the term, now be inspired by the movement. I'm Krishan Wright, and this is Blacksit Global. You have to be ready for this episode of the Blacks of Global Podcast. I have some YouTube faves joining us today all the way from Lisbon, Portugal, Rick and Halisi, but y'all might know them better as our Black Utopia. Welcome to Black Sick Global, Rick and Halisi. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, we're happy to be here. I am a fan of your platform and your remarkable journey. And I think the reason why is that you are so transparent with your journey and what got you here. I want to start with your platform because I think that is really impactful. We had always had a dream of when we retire, we were going to pick up our video cameras and just you know, bop around the United States filming. We're going to buy us an RV. (laughs) (laughs) And God was like, okay, that's cute. But I got something else for you. And it wasn't until I saw this young black YouTuber, I was on there looking at, because my husband had was looking at Spain and looking at Portugal and trying to find out information about possibly retiring at some point way in the future. So I'm bopping around YouTube and I saw this young uh, Black YouTuber and she was talking about how much money she made on YouTube. And I was like, wait, what? What? That sounded different than getting in our RV and making documentaries on a hope and a pair and a dream to sell them at some point in the future, right? I started talking to Rick about it. And I said, this is the vision. And he was not into our Black Utopia. 
Why you got to mention black? I don't know. Well, I was also thinking that I didn't want it to constrain us. I was looking at something more broad, including more people, everybody, so to speak, and not understanding where she was going with it. Y'all are from Colorado. You said you've been together over 20 years? Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love it. I love it. Black love. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about what life was before you moved to Portugal. We retired officially in the spring of 2022. Yay, yay, yay. Um, Prior to that, both he and I, we were not making six figures, but we had six-figure responsibility and six-figure titles. And so we were both working more than 70 hours a week, taking care of my dad with dementia and squeezing travel in when we could. If we didn't do something at least once a quarter, even if it was small, like a five-day weekend or something like that, Rick was going to go crazy. And I just knew that. So, So we had to do at least that. But as far as major trips and things like that, I think the last major trip we took right before the pandemic was to Europe. Yeah, went to Europe. Almost a month we spent here. He was like one of three males and then a bunch of women. <laughs> it was so much fun. It, it was, truly, it really, yeah, it right? truly was, yeah. And then the plan was the next year, all of us were going to go to Santiago, Chile, but the pandemic. And that shut all that stuff down. We had a group of people that we had planned to, to do international trips every other year together. And interestingly enough, they are one of the couples that we thought of when we started our channel. It was two couples that we had in mind that are are good friends of ours, even though we don't talk to them very often when we do, it's like no time has passed. You know those kind. Both of them have made over six figures ever since we've known them. So for over 10 years, neither one are close to retirement. Then we put out a video, why y'all working so hard? That was for them. (laughs) Literally, without saying names, it was for them. It, It was our video of, we love you. Yes. Get away from that stuff that you're doing. You ain't got to do that no more. Yes. And stop bailing your adult kids out because, you know, the more you bail them out, then they're going to have to bail you out when you're 80 years old because you would have spent all of your retirement money on them today. That's if they bail you out. That part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, we all have a knucklehead, right? We all have a knucklehead in the family. They are the couple that we made the platform for. And I think one the one of the wives did watch a couple of the early episodes. I'm not sure if either one of them watched. I think they did. I think uh, the one, one wife did do it because I think she made a comment of it. I, I see you guys on YouTube. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay, so she's still watching. But I'm like, are you watching? Are you listening, baby girl? I want you to live the life of your dreams, right? I mean, this is the whole reason. Once we figured out the the code, right? We cracked the code to financial independence. It was like, we wanted to, it, you know, it's kind of like that alcoholic who gets sober and wants to tell everybody, why are you still drinking? Why are you still smoking? You know, <laughs> why are you still spending yeah. all that money? You get into this new world where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to tell more people like this is the way to freedom. And sometimes you have to hear things more than once Mm -hmm. in order for you to hear it, right? With a different set of ears. And so for that, I say, I really enjoy your platform because you have honed in on identifying 
one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, why more people aren't able to move abroad. It's maybe not the desire is missing as much as the resources. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, once you pull back and dig underneath the layers, you can see that it isn't a lack of income in some cases. It's your spending and your spending habits Mm -hmm. that prevent you, like you said, friends that make multiple six figures and they have nothing to show for it. They have things, but those things don't translate into the things that enable you to move abroad like money. Or to even slow travel, take that one year, you know, quote unquote trip around the world. You know, people think it is so out of reach and it just isn't. It just isn't. When I think about them and when I think about family members and things like that, we're going to talk about that um, this weekend, as a matter of fact, it's tied to respectability politics, right? And keeping up to with the Joneses all intermingled because, you know, if we drive a certain car, if we have a certain title, if we dress a certain way, then the power structure will start treating us like human beings. And it's just never going to happen. It's just never going to happen because we have been told we ain't nothing for so many centuries. Mm. Now that we got a little something, something, and we think that that's going to make us feel better when really what we are craving is freedom, freedom not to have to put up with degradation on a regular Oh, absolutely. It's not that people can't have nice things or want nice things. It is, to your point, it's so multi-layered and so multifaceted that in some respects, it's virtue signaling. It's like, I have arrived and now you can treat me as your equal. You're not looking at me like, well, what are you doing here, right? I'm signaling with my car, with my fancy clothes, with my status, my job, my all these things. And I always say, okay, well, when you die, the person who's a billionaire doesn't get the whole cemetery to themselves, right? (laughs) More so than the person that died broke, right? You still take up the same space and nobody's putting your net worth, your title, or any of that. You have a beginning date, an end date, and a line in between. And so what is it that you do and choose to do with that line is going to be most important and most memorable for the people who loved you the most in this world. And so when you can extricate yourself from attachment to things, everybody has their currency of choice. But for the people like us that have made a conscious decision to move abroad or to have financial independence, that is part of the mindset work that takes place. When I travel, I've been on yachts. I like luxury hotels. I do all these things. But at the end of the day, I am not in debt when I do any of these things. And most of the time when I'm doing it, I'm doing it in countries. I've only done it in countries that it is very reasonable for me to do these activities. You will not catch me out in Switzerland and all these other places doing the same stuff because the economics aren't there, right? So what you've nailed in your platform is it's saying, look, we were here, yes, yes. right? So let's talk about that. Paint a picture. Where were you all financially in this journey, in this walk before you came on to where you are today? Well, we started out (laughs) before we actually jump into what we started doing is we had a meeting with our air quotes financial advisor. Okay. And he, he actually came to my job. We met at my job. Alicia came down to my job and we were sitting there talking 
about all the different things, you know, the money, the savings, the, the this and that, the 401ks. And I just looked at Alicia and said, I can never stop working. You're going to have to bury me. You have to pull me from my desk, stuff me in a casket and bury me because I, I'm never going to be able to stop working. From what this man is saying, it's not going to happen. And I had kind of accepted that. It's like, okay, well, you know, I'm not working construction. I have a desk job. And as long as I can make smart moves and answer people's questions and stuff, I should be okay. That's what really, really started. We'll be right back. Are you a Caribbean American? Are you looking for a podcast that truly speaks to your culture and identity? Look no further than Carry On Friends the ultimate destination for all things Caribbean American, hosted by me, Carrie Ann. Dive deep into topics such as culture, heritage, and everyday life through the unique lens of the Caribbean American experience. You'll walk away feeling more connected to your roots. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss an episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American experience. Your Caribbean American community awaits. Oh my gosh, that sounds so soul crushing. Listeners can't see my face, but it's like this horror of someone telling you, okay, this is the balance sheet and you come into this realization at that time, right? That version of yourself and where you were, that it was not attainable. So you had, Rick, this kind of acceptance of this is what it is. This is where it's got to be. Hey, Elise, you know, I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> like, so Elise, when Rick came to you and gave you that, baby, we in trouble. What was your reaction? So my problem is, is I'm the eternal optimist. And so he left there with his, you know, tail between his legs and his head was all hanging low. And I walked in and said, hmm, we got some work to do. And I was like, okay, so this white boy assumes that we're going to be making the same amount of money for the rest of our lives and blah, 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 woo, woo. And of course, you know, it's still too optimistic without a real plan. Let's just be real, but at least optimistic. <laughs> optimistic. So I was like, okay. And that's when we were at negative 22,000. That's our reality today. But that is does not have to be our reality tomorrow. So that's when I started downloading our spending into a spreadsheet from the bank, from our credit cards and this and that. Now, we had been on a get rid of debt journey that was limping along with crutches. But at least, you know, we were aware that having all that unsecured debt was not a good thing. We're limping along with that. I started downloading our spending like three months worth and sorting it and this and that. And then I projected it up on uh, Brother Man's big TV in the living room. <laughs> so ain't nobody going to look away from this. We're going to look at this stuff. Which I didn't buy the TV. I, want, I actually got it free from work. <laughs> we had flat screen televisions in every, every single room. room of our house in, in Colorado. And we only purchased one, though. That's that's the one thing I can say. What we realized is that our spending was out of control. We were spending $900 to $1,000 a month 
at restaurants. That was not even including groceries. And it was just he and I because our youngest son was not living with us at the time. And I don't even think we were going to really expensive restaurants. It was like Chili's and Applebee's and crap like that. I mean, once in a while we'd go to a more expensive restaurant, but by and large, it was just regular stuff. Is that in your mind a behavior thing? Is it social hour or were you not conscious of the decisions and how much you guys were actually spending that kind of fueled that behavior? I'm just curious. I would say only about 10% of it was some kind of celebratory. Let's treat ourselves and go out. We were working a lot of hours and didn't feel like cooking, you know, it's just $25. It's just $25. So yeah, we were totally not aware of how much money we, I was shocked. He was shocked. We were shocked how much money, (laughs) how much money we were spending on, on stuff like that. And then, you know, Oh, I'm just going to stop at Nordstrom Rack on the way home just to see what's on sale. I got it on clearance. Right. So (laughs) all this money I saved and then, you know, Oh, it's the Christmas season needs more Christmas stuff. And then it's this season needs more of that stuff. And, you know, stuff, 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 stuff. And then the books and the, this, some of that. And when it's all said and done, had we been putting a good chunk of money into our savings on top and still doing that, at least I would have been able to say, well, we're saving what we're supposed to be saving. But we couldn't even say that. And that's why he was so depressed. And and we had that meeting with the financial advisor with our little money. And here's the thing. When you hear the news say, oh, the average American's $400 away from a disaster, and it's like, well, that that ain't us. <laughs> that ain't us. You know, we we got at least fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in the bank. Okay. We but, always think we're the exception. Right. <laughs> right? right. Like, what was that? 15, Human beings 000? are hardwired to think, oh, <laughs> that can't happen to me. That's somebody else, right? Exactly. Fifteen or twenty thousand is a good emergency fund only. That, I mean, that's all that is. That's like, okay, if I get laid off, if he gets laid off, we ain't going to be desperate for at least, you know, X amount of time, right? And, and something else is so weird that you think of because you get the credit cards, right? So you, you send out for a credit card and they accept you. Okay, we're going to give you $5,000. Wow, they're going to give me $5,000. You know, I never had a lot of uh, credit cards, but start getting credit cards, start getting accepted for credit cards. And buying stuff on credit cards and making sure that I always made the minimum payment on each one so I wouldn't get dinged on my credit. Not really stopping to think that if you spend over 30% of your credit cards, they're going to ding you. <laughs> you know, that not even realize that, not thinking about that. And the credit card companies would send information saying, well, you know, if you don't pay it off and you just pay the minimum payment, this is how long it's going to take you to pay it off. And this is how much interest. But people disregard that. Yeah. And that's new, right? Elizabeth Warren made that happen. Exactly. Before you didn't have that where it was right. like, it'll take you X amount of years. And even now, I mean, I haven't asked a lot of people because I don't carry debt. But the thing that's fascinating with that is it's a psychology, I believe. You know, it's just a hypothesis in my mind, right? It could be some people who feel like, okay, if I buy this iPhone and it's a thousand, but the minimum payment each month is $10, it's almost this like, ha ha ha, 
I got over on y'all. I'm just paying this 10 and y'all don't care how long it takes. You only going to get 10. You ain't going to get that thousand yeah. without doing the math and saying, you really buying a $2,000 phone. Exactly. And yeah. that's the part where I think there's a disconnect. It's almost like ego comes in and says, oh, you got this thing for X amount of dollars, but you're only giving the bank, the credit card company, this little amount in comparison to such a big number. It's like, oh, well, I'm getting over. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's and like, I'm, no, you're not. <laughs> and it's instant gratification. So yes. whatever I wanted, I can get it now. Yes. I can get that now. And, you know, I might end up doubling my payment next month, but it never happens. Because something else gets in the way or you see something else you want to buy. So you get caught up in that on that hamster wheel and the credit card companies are loving it because that's how they make their money. Yeah, the house always wins. The we house know, always yes. wins. And where is all that stuff? Right. Where is all that stuff? It's so interesting as I'm packing for my move to Portugal and I'm clearing out my garage and I don't have a lot of stuff. I got rid of a lot when I moved here five years ago. So it's just organizing more so than anything. But even as I went in, you know how like those cord connectors to different devices yep. and even that has evolved in the past like five years. So it's just like, well, I don't even have this don't even have a plug like it's a USB-C now and then I got all these cords. And so all that is to say is that we accumulate stuff. We either don't know where it is or it loses its utility or has zero resale value. Obviously we have to spend money, right? That's how the world goes around. But to be conscious about how you spend, yes. I think that's the difference. One of the things that I've had to do is not associate certain feelings and this and that to things. Like I gave things entirely too much importance, whereas the memory or a picture of that person is probably more important than the fact that every time I pick up this salt shaker, you know, I think of so-and-so who gave it to me for this or that. The only thing that I haven't been able to part with are the pictures. Oh yeah, nor should you. It is important. I was going through pictures recently and taking me back to different memories. And the other thing, which I am going to be conscious of it. Once I get everything packed and then unpacked is start to write the names of who's in the pictures and when, because mm. there's been pictures I've been finding of like my grandmother who's been long deceased. She died before I was born or maybe I was a year old. And there was a picture that I had, my mother gave me. I didn't remember her giving it to me. It must've been a couple of years ago of her and a child, but I couldn't recognize the child. And so I sent it to my mother. She's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and then I said to my brother, he's like, oh, that's cousin Rhonda. Like, but if my kids, right, come across that picture, right. they're not going to know who, you know, my grandmother is, right? Their great grandmother. They're not going to know their cousin in a picture. So, you know, as I'm looking through things, I recognize it. But the next generation is yeah. not going to have that information. So definitely keep your pictures, keep your pictures. I'm hoping that I can squeeze into my life uh, a time where I can take all the old pictures, digitize them, send them off and get books made and send them to a few people. I don't know. I have all of these kind of artsy, crafty ideas of things that I'd like to do. But you have the time now. Y'all are retirees. <laughs> 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 we should, shouldn't we? Have exactly. <laughs> so this is a nice segue into retirement in Portugal. So you all are in Lisbon, Portugal. What is life like in retirement in Portugal? 
It's lovely. It is. It truly is. Uh, Portugal is a beautiful place. Of course, not everywhere you go is going to be a Shangri-La if you could find one good for you. But, you know, it has its issues. It has its ups and downs. And by that, I mean hills. <laughs> There's a lot of them. <laughs> the views that you get when you're on top of those hills are, are amazing. It's like... I don't think there's anywhere else in the world you get the views that you get here in Portugal. I mean, just today we went to the castle. If any listeners are, have been to Portugal and, and there's St. George Castle. And I mean, the views from that castle were amazing. Yeah. yeah. And we just we had just got back from there when we got on your show. So the views, the stairs, going up and down the stairs and different things like that. But, I mean, you can take the cheat sheet and catch the bus or catch an Uber or catch a boat or ride trolley. a little scooter, the trolley. But, you know, we choose to walk a lot of places and stuff like that. But other than that, it's waking up when you want to wake up and doing things that you want to do when you want to do them. I mean, some things, yeah, we have to do for the YouTube channel and get things together, but... We are so, so blessed to live in a magical place. And we were so blessed to find the apartment that we did, where we found it, thanks to a friend of ours. Every day that we kind of explore the city on foot, because you really do need to explore a city on foot to get to know it, we realize, I mean, we live walking distance from that castle. Yeah. We, I mean, we walked back in 20 minutes. We had no idea. And then going in the opposite direction, you know, we're in walking distance of Saldana and the big park over there. It, it's just, you know, we live where there's castles. Not For everyone real. can say that. For real, real castles. castles <laughs> right? And yeah. around every nook and cranny is just something amazing to see. Like either something that looks like a ruin next to a modern building, next to some graffiti and tagging, right? And around every corner, you'll find like, oh, a plaza and all of these chairs and things set out. And people are just chilling out there on some plaza, you know, having warm wine and or coffee and little sneaky snacks and stuff like that at a, a price that makes sense. You know, if you're paying one euro for espresso, you're paying the tourist price. And you can't even find an espresso in, in the States for one dollar. Or what would that be like a dollar four today in today's prices? There is the place that is across the way from our apartment. The espresso is 75 cents. And even the locals, like the Portuguese locals say, even that's too expensive. It's, wow. supposed, to be, it's supposed to be 65 cents. Oh, so, my God. And that's why you got to make friends with the locals because they tell you what's up. I mean, so, if you're in there and you're choosing to live in a country versus being a tourist, you are in it for the long haul. One of the other kind of downsides of, you know, one thing that we appreciate about the United States is the Postal Service. And here, like in Mexico, you may get something you may not. Who knows? So a local born and raised in Portugal told us that they made the mistake of, of privatizing them. Yeah. to a company. Well, yes, They're but more importantly, they made the mistake of electing a very conservative president who elected a very conservative PM. Just for four years, they had this conservative government and four years now they are paying the price. And he said they decided to privatize. He said we had a great postal service. 
and they decided to privatize it and they sold it to a bank, CTT. And he, he basically said, and I have not gotten a piece of mail since. You know, I've gone to several countries now and when I was in Costa Rica, I was like, how do they get the mail? Because there's like no addresses on any of these buildings. Right? <laughs> and and it, it helps you kind of realize like, oh, this postal, the way it operates is very unique to the United States, e- even in its inefficiency at times. Right. But compared to other parts of the world where in that case, right, privatization or like I said, in at Costa Rica, it's like, hmm. You know, you put in the GPS, you need to put like actual location, like mm-hmm. longitude and latitude is how you're going to get to where you got to go. Yep. <laughs> Third yep. house on the corner, that's white with the black door. <laughs> like that's yep. how you get in your mail. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. It's, it's, yeah. So, you know, these are things that you just have to get used to. We just put together a move abroad toolkit. And, you know, one of the pages is needs versus wants. Talk to me about that. We would like to have a good postal service here, (laughs) but we don't need it to be happy. Right. So, um, and, and it's very important to be honest with yourself. What do you need? Like, you know, we were talking earlier about folks coming into our comments saying, you know, if you are black utopia, why didn't you move to Africa? You know, because, most of the countries that I've either gone to or researched just does not have the infrastructure that these spoiled Americans need. Getting FedEx or DHL, that'll do me from the United States for important documents and everything else, it can be online. But rolling blackouts, rolling water outs, I don't know what you call it when they shut the water off, but water outs, <laughs> you know, I'm not about that life. And a lot of people don't understand that if they're coming from the States and they really never experienced it to go to a foreign country, it's like, guess what? They do things how they need to do things. So you get wake up calls in, in different things. And if, you know, you have to look at what your everyday life is going to be. And, and, you know, if the, if the power goes out for six hours or whatever, you ain't got no air conditioner, how are you going to live with that? So don't tell me I need to look into a different country because it's got a lot of black people in it. That ain't working for me. (laughs) We would love, I mean, Portugal Portugal has a lot of black people. Yeah. (laughs) Which is one of the reasons why we chose. I like, in my opinion, for Western Europe and for affordable Western Europe, it has the most amount of black folks from what we have seen. We've never been to Germany, right? But, you know, just from what we have seen. But yeah, I mean, you have to have a tax base in order to have the infrastructure that westernized folks are used to. And they just do not have the tax base, which is why they, you know, their kids are still paying to go to school. And it's not to say that it's the entire continent, right? I've not journeyed to the continent yet. That is high on my list to do once I get to Portugal. But it's to recognize that every person has a right to inhabit whatever land if they choose to move to another country. Right. That's their choice, right? So for some people, like I've interviewed a guest, Ashley, in Africa the other day for the show, she's having a great time in Tanzania. She's moving to South Africa for a different reason, like you said, infrastructure, the infrastructure she needs for her business, Wi-Fi, other stuff is more accessible 
in South Africa versus where she was in Tanzania. And where you start isn't necessarily going to be where you end. We're all on this kind of growth journey, right? And for some, that might mean that they stay in the same country that they originally journeyed to, or maybe things change either on a macro level or a micro level that might result in you going to another place or splitting your time. I mean, you can make it whatever way you want, but I think for some people who don't have that mindset yet, and it's a gradual process to get there, it allows you to think like, oh, I can do this differently. And that was a huge thing for me. I had my heart set on New Zealand. I had all of these things, and it was very focused on one way. And then when I spoke to Deirdre Mola, who was my first guest on the show, and she's like, Krishan, you know, you can do three months here, you can spend half the time there, you can do it. And it was such a eye opener, because I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Right? Because for the 48 years of my existence, I've lived in one country. So the idea of thinking that I could live somewhere for three months, somewhere for five months, or whatever I wanted to do was such a game changer. And so that's where I feel like the power in people like yourselves in this platform and others to give space in the power of narrative, because for every person, it's going to be uniquely different. And that's why there needs to be more people to share their stories and to have conversations with others so that people can listen and say, oh, you know what? Either I can see myself in their story. I identify. I'm inspired. But more important than being inspired is taking inspired action, right? Mm -hmm. Taking the steps to say, okay, now I'm curious about this land or multiples and let me start doing the research. And we love South Africa. Oh God, we love South Africa. Actually, we thought about moving to South Africa uh, before we even thought about moving to Europe because that was the first trip that we had went and spent a month together in South Africa. And it was fantastic. It was. It was. The people are great. And and because I think there's so much mixture, we didn't get the, well, we can't tell what tribe you're from. So, you know, we didn't get that. We got a welcome home. As a matter of fact, one gentleman did a ceremony with us, which is really cool. But, you know, my sister grew up in South Africa. And that's how I know, even in the nice neighborhoods, they have them water outages and the rolling blackouts. Right? Absolutely. You have and to so, have a backup generator, right? Don't yes. get a place yeah. without a generator. And look, at the end of the day, if you had asked me two and a half, three years ago about anything going on on, in the continent or any of the countries I visited, I didn't have the knowledge base. This has come from journeying to different places, having conversations with different people and doing my own research. But to your point, it's like understanding and shifting the mindset of, oh, well, you know, when I was in For example, I'll take Costa Rica. I went to Costa Rica on my scouting trip. I said, oh, this is not for me. It didn't have what I needed because I'm thinking, okay, I have this platform. I have all this other stuff. Other people, some of who I've had as guests on this show or other people that I know who have traveled there have had a different experience because they either picked a different part of the country, they stayed at an Airbnb, et cetera, et cetera. It's not always apples to apples because we are as unique as our DNA, our fingerprint, right? right? What lights one person up is not going to be the thing for everyone. I think for the people who are the naysayers who want to dictate the movement of people, we've had people telling us what to do for a long damn time. Thank you. We don't need to do it to each other. 
No. No, 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 no. And <laughs> I was talking about the last time I was like, this is part of my reparations. You know, <laughs> the fact that we can take that blue passport and get out of Dodge and bring our American money to an economy that needs an influx. Well, they're, they're getting pretty close to the brink at this point, but that needs the influx of money. And, and because of our little piddly wages were a lot compared to what the average person in Portugal makes. And I get five years to citizenship and then we get an EU passport. Come on now. Uh-uh. Yeah, this is part of reparations. This this life and being able to do this and having the blessing of that blue passport that made it easier for us. I'm sorry. No we, apologies necessary, right? right? We, we are living our best life. Because it's interesting as I think about you all and this stage and phase of your life. You know, you have a father at home in the States that has dementia. You are managing other issues while living this life. So I would imagine that as part of your journey in, in mental preparation, physical preparation for this move, it involved a lot of coordination and even just mental reckoning with being comfortable with that. So if you could go into that, that would be really great. Yeah, definitely. As you were talking, I was thinking, well, I'm a spoiled brat and I'm going to do what I want to do. So I just got to figure this out. It was a process, to be perfectly honest, because I'm a daddy's girl. And so it was hard to admit to myself that one, he is not the same person. Two, I can't do this. And three, I don't want to do it. You know, when it got to the point where I'm helping him shower, like this is TMI. <laughs> I don't want to see my dad like this. This is for somebody and I'm just supposed to show up and spend happy time with him. That's how that's supposed to go. You know, until then we were walking in faith because we bought the ticket for our scouting trip before I had figured out where he was going to be, how it was going to be paid for or in or if he was going to qualify for any government assistance. I bought the ticket. Talk about manifestation, right? I was like, all I know is on June 3rd, we're going to be on that plane on our way to Lisbon. That's what I know. Yeah. And I remember talking to my aunt on my mom's side and she she was like, well, but what if you don't find a play? What if you can't place Joe Pie then? And I was like, that's not an option. That is not an option. So I had taken over his finances before he even moved in with us. So when he was still in Los Angeles and I realized a good family friend was calling me saying, you know, your dad is not doing well. So when I figured out he was getting too confused and I said, well, let me just get online, put my name on, you know, and, and log in and make sure that his stuff is getting paid. So I had already started that process and he is so professorial. He had folks fooled. He really did. Because my mom was like, why are you moving my best friend away? Blah, blah, woo, woo, woo. And he ain't nothing wrong with him. That's the same old Joe. And I'm like, you're living in La La Land. He didn't forget that. He just lying. Really, mom? <laughs> For real? So once she saw his place and then saw like there was like 10 valid driver's license and 15 valid ATM cards because he keeps losing it and going to get another one. She was like, oh, I was like, see, I was trying to tell you, but you weren't trying to hear it. 
right? You don't want to hear because then maybe you have to face some things about yourself. So in those early days, we were going to buy another condo and have my mom move out as well. But, you know, she's, oh, it's going to kill me if I got to move and, uh, you know, all this drama. And so little by little, her choices started going away. And so about a year, like the same time that I realized I needed help with my dad, I flew out to LA and I took over her finances. And even today, I just got a call last night and she's like, now what bills am I supposed to be paying? I'm like, mom, I paid the bills already. And she's like, oh, well, I just paid. I was like, you just double paid and you're going to run out of money. You're going to have more month than money. But you know, hey, it has been interesting. I have absolutely no guilt absolutely no guilt because I I don't know, like, where is it written that I have to sacrifice my life for my parents? You know, what I do need to do is to do the best I can to make sure that they're okay. I would have loved to have brought her with us, but she doesn't want to. She'd fight it all the way. So, okay. You know, the option was there, but if it's no, it's no, but that doesn't mean I'm not going, right? So, you know, my job is just to make sure that she has what she needs with the resources that she has. I check in every other day. I video call my dad. He's in board and care. So, you know, I took him back to California because, you know, blue states have more opportunities. (laughs) So I took him back to California, plus friends and family could visit and yada, yada. And my mom, in her forgetfulness, said, so she's looking at a note and she's like, uh, this lady named Vicky called you. I forgot what it's about. So I called Vicky and I said, I think Pastor so-and-so gave you my information because I'm looking for a place for my dad. And he's like, I don't know who Pastor so-and-so is, but um, somebody with your last name just called. Gloria Vincent just called you know, a half hour ago and asked me, my mom did not even remember that she had called. Whoa. And it's in straight up denial that she needs not as much help as my dad, but almost as her short-term memory is just shot. Right. She doesn't have dementia. It's more like, um, what do you call it? Senility, a little bit of senility, right? When you're your short-term memory, but she can remember long-term things. And so, or if I just keep repeating the same stuff, I got it. I got it, Halisi. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And so we call Vicky, she's got a place. And then she, she says, you know, if this doesn't work, she says, my friend also has a place. And so between the two of them, you know, I was like, okay, we're going to go with the one that has the most males in it. And the price was right. And the lady said, yeah, someone just passed away about two weeks ago. She says, I don't advertise. I just wait for God to bring me who he's going to bring me. And here you are. Yeah. So that was literally about a week and a half, two weeks before June 3rd. It was not what I envisioned for him aesthetically, but as far as the comfortableness and the hominess of it, it was what I envisioned for him. And so and th- there he is. He's, he's there now today. And um, we got him there about a week before I left. And then I go back out there to visit him to see how he was adjusting. And there's been some adjustments, but it was enough for me to exhale and say, all right, you ready to go? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I kept trying to tell Gloria Vincent, all right now, 
we out of here. It could have been another situation because the I what you know we we told her we were gonna buy a fourplex. Krishan, we we got so much information. This is how God worked. We got so much information to create opportunities, and I had no idea that you could buy a multifamily home for less money per square footage than you can a single family home. So uh, there were two to three fourplexes in the Baldwin Hills, you know, area, the black, you know, Beverly Hills, so to speak, area that were going for a million to just over a million for a triplex and two fourplexes. And so the first idea was, and, and this is what I was trying to convince my mom to do back in the early part of last year, we'll buy this, we'll move you in, move that in, hire somebody to take care of both of you because they could be roommates in a two bedroom. They've been friends ever since the divorce. And then we'll rent out the condo and let that be extra money for y'all. Oh, I don't know. You know, I said, mom, just go look at the places. She ain't looked at him yet. But when I told her, I thought she could get half of dad's social security. Oh, she was down at that social security office the next day. <laughs> you know, carrot in a stick, carrot in a stick. <laughs> <laughs> so then we, we're down there and, and Rick goes, so there's the fourplex right there that we were going to buy for you. And she's like, ooh, that's nice. Ooh, baby, that's nice. Well, well, can we still buy it? Yeah, that day passed. Um, <laughs> Look, that shit done sailed to Portugal. Parents will try you. You get to a point in life if you are so blessed where the roles do change, right? They reverse. And the thing about it is, I don't think that there's enough conversation about that switch where as the child, you take on more of the persona of the parent to your parent. And that comes with its own host of emotions and transition and mental work and holding your tongue and at times and clenching your teeth or, you know, the burning in the chest. And I think more people have to have that conversation out in the open because it helps. I'm going to be managing my mom as I'm in Portugal. And it's been a process of just getting her on board. And honestly, at this stage of life, many of our elders, the world has changed at such a pace. They haven't been able to keep up. So the idea of even doing half of the stuff that either we do or that is available in the world did not exist. Or if it did, they were, you know, in their midlife. And so there was a gradual shift. If you think about just how technology in the world has changed in the past 15, 20 years before their eyes, they can't even keep up. And yeah. so yeah. I have to remind myself of that when I have those challenging points with my mom or say, you know what, I got to take a beat because it's not going to be productive. I need her to be here. And she is way back in 1970, right? <laughs> or 80. Way back. But, you know, I think dealing with my dad was a wake-up call for us when all of my contacts in government and everything else could not get financial aid, basically, could not get government assistance to help take care of him. And we were looking at each other thinking like, this, this could be us one day. And so we're doing all of the saving and sacrificing today, saving 60% of our income and yada, yada, woo, woo, woo. And then at the end of the day, we have to spend it down to nothing. There will be no passing on of generational wealth, nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we doing all of this for? 
just to give it back to the government? I don't think so. I do not think so. And so that was also key in why we picked Portugal with universal health care and not a lot of the countries on the continent, right? Or other countries in the Americas have true universal health care. That was a wake up call. And I was like, I do not want to die in poverty. I do not. And I just the thought that we could not pass on anything to our kids if if something happened, you know, or we're going to do all of this. And then, you know, God forbid we have a car accident or something and we need long term care and now we're bankrupt. You know, it's it's so telling that the power structure in America says, you know, take responsibility and pull yourself up by some imaginary bootstraps, which does not make any logical sense. But okay, I think what they mean is that you should prepare for a rainy day and all of that. And oh, by the way, when you do, we're going to take it all from you because we have created a system that is so illogical that to get long-term care, you won't have to be somewhere between eight and $10,000 a month. So unless you're Warren Buffett, you won't run out of money. Like even if you do the right thing and you retire with two or $3 million in the bank, and then you need long-term care, it's probably going to run out before you run out of life. So my old boss texted me yesterday and said, I wish you were here to run for chair. So that ship has sailed. You recruited me to do that. And my ego was all tied up into being the first black chair of the bubble bubble whoop de whoop of Colorado, right? And so I told Rick, yeah, we ain't moving to Portugal till I become after I'm chair. And then I was thinking, and then we'll move because I'll be chair and won't nobody be able to tell me. And I'm gonna do three months here and three months there and this and that and the other. This was my plan. And Rick was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, yeah, I got it. I got this, right? I couldn't even last the additional year to get that opportunity. And now here we are a year later. And this is the thing, anybody who's listening, who does not feel appreciated at your job, leave it and see what happens. And then you get a text eight months later saying, I wish you were here to do X, Y, and Z. Because we know that when we show up, we show up unless we're quiet quitting. But, <laughs> but when, before we get to the quiet quit part, when we show up, we show up and we bring it. And, and that's just who we are, right? And it, all of that tied into self-identity and stuff like that. So it was a process of saying, gosh, I'm not going to just be able to call Senator so-and-so anymore or you know, Rep so-and-so anymore. And am I going to be okay with that? Uh, Yeah. But for a while there, the answer was, Gosh, no, I, I was feeling some kind of way. I, I was really feeling some kind of way. But now, honey, honey. <laughs> that, that's what you call evolution. So with that, as we start to close, what's next for you two? The only reason why we haven't done more traveling is because the immigration department is so behind. Welcome to Portugal. Wants versus needs, wants versus needs, folks. What are you gonna, what are you willing to put up with and what are you not? If, if efficiency is your thing, Portugal is not the place for you. It is not the place. Our appointment is not until May, 2023. So we got our answer at the end of October mm -hmm. and they scheduled May, 2023. 
before we get our quote unquote green card. So in the immediate future, we're going to start traveling around Portugal and we're talking to our immigrants like, can we travel around the EU? How does that work? So we need to figure that out. You know, we've got our Fire Over 50 Facebook group and we're trying to grow that. In the near future, the big thing is just growing the awareness within our community about financial independence and that the world is open to them. We just finished our first financial challenge and 80% of the people in there had never heard of the term financial independence or the tenets of financial independence. It's like, yeah, you have, because your grandmama told you to spend less than you make and to save, not invest, but to save the difference, right? But we forgot about that once we all got charged cards, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we, we knew it. It just wasn't called that. So I think that's the big thing. Um, and we will eventually do some kind of membership thing where we are coaching folks on a continual basis on financial independence because we are on a mission. Yeah. We are on a mission. Yeah. What are you going to say, sweetheart? I was going to say, you know, pretty much just being able to help people to let them know it's okay. There's a big world out there and all you have to do is want it. And these are different ways that you can get it, yeah. you know, and I think that's kind of our calling too now. Because it, it appears to be a lot of people say, "Well, we've never seen a couple like you two get up there and let people know that it's okay because you guys are doing it." Yeah. So that yeah. makes it, it makes me feel good to know that there are people looking at me, even with my gray beard and stuff, and saying, "But you're doing it." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we even get folks who are like in their 70s saying, well, we weren't going to we weren't going to make a move until we saw you guys. And it's like, OK, we're not that old yet. But yeah. <laughs> but I would like to help extract as many black folks who've got some sense out of America that we can. America does not deserve us. And so I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to, to spread the word that there is a life outside of America. And I think we need a mass exodus, a Blacksit from America. Amen to that. And so on that note, I want to thank you both for being such incredible guests on the Blacksit Global Podcast. You're so honored. Thank you so much. I, I love chatting with you and learning more about your journey. And I look forward to, well, first of all, I look forward to hanging out with y'all in Portugal. But yes. <laughs> in the meantime, I will be watching you on your Our Black Utopia YouTube channel. I will link in the show notes for this episode. So thank you. Cool. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Krishan. Thank you for listening to the Blacksit Global Podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to visit our website at blacksitglobal.com. It's not only possible to live out your dreams unbothered and in full color, it is your birthright. Are you trying to sort out health plans, banking, VPN, and other connectivity for your move abroad? Well, have no fear. We've got you with the Move Abroad Starter Kit. Get yours today at blacksitglobal.com resources. That's blacksitglobal.com resources.